Barnaby Rudge, Chapter Forty Six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Brad Philippone. Barnaby Rudge by Charles Dickens, Chapter Forty Six. When Barnaby returned with the bread, the sight of the pious old pilgrim smoking his pipe and making himself so thoroughly at home appeared to surprise even him the more so as that worthy person instead of putting up the loaf in his wallet as a scarce and precious article tossed it carelessly on the table and producing his bottle bade him sit down and drink for i carry some comfort you see he said taste that is it good the water stood in barnaby's eyes as he coughed from the strength of the draught and answered in the affirmative drink some more said the blind man don't be afraid of it you don't taste anything like that often eh often cried barnaby never too poor returned the blind man with a sigh ay that's bad your mother poor soul would be happier if she was richer barnaby why so i tell her the very thing i told her just before you came to-night when all that gold was in the sky said barnaby drawing his chair nearer to him and looking eagerly in his face tell me is there any way of being rich that i could find out any way a hundred ways i i he returned do you say so what are they nay mother it's for your sake i ask not mine for yours indeed what are they the blind man turned his face on which there was a smile of triumph to where the widow stood in great distress and answered why they are not to be found out by stay-at-homes my good friend by stay-at-homes cried barnaby plucking at his sleeve but i am not one now there you mistake i am often out before the sun and travel home when he has gone to rest i am away in the woods before the day has reached the shady places and am often there when the bright moon is peeping through the boughs and looking down upon the other moon that lives in the water as i walk along i try to find among the grass and moss some of that small money for which she worked so hard and used to shed so many tears as i lie asleep in the shade i dream of it dream of digging it up in heaps and spying it out hidden under bushes and seeing it sparkle as the dewdrops do among the leaves but i never find it tell me where it is i'd go there if the journey were a whole year long because i know she would be happier when i came home and brought some with me speak again i'll listen to you if you talk all night the blind man passed his hand lightly over the poor fellow's face and finding that his elbows were planted on the table that his chin rested on his two hands, that he leaned eagerly forward, and that his whole manner expressed the utmost interest and anxiety, paused for a minute as though he desired the widow to observe this fully, and then made answer, "'It's in the world, bold Barnaby, the merry world, not in solitary places like those you pass your time in, but in crowds where there's noise and rattle.' good good said barnaby rubbing his hands yes i love that grip loves it too it suits us both that's brave the kind of places said the blind man 
that a young fellow likes and in which a good son may do more for his mother and himself to boot in a month than he could hear in all his life that is if he had a friend you know and some one to advise with you hear this mother cried barnaby turning to her with delight never tell me we shouldn't heed it if it lay shining at our feet why do we heed it so much now why do you toil from morning until night surely said the blind man surely have you no answer widow is your mind he slowly added not made up yet let me speak with you she answered apart lay your hand upon my sleeve said stagg arising from the table and lead me where you will courage bold barnaby we'll talk more of this i've a fancy for you wait there till i come back now widow she led him out at the door and into the little garden where they stopped you are a fit agent she said in a half breathless manner and will represent the man who sent you here i'll tell him that you said so stagg retorted he has a regard for you, and will respect me the more, if possible, for your praise. We must have our rights, widow. Rights? Do you know, she said, that a word from me— Why do you stop? returned the blind man calmly, after a long pause. Do I know that a word from you would place my friend in the last position of the dance of life? Yes, I do what of that it will never be spoken widow you are sure of that quite so sure that i don't come here to discuss the question i say we must have our rights or we must be bought off keep to that point or let me return to my young friend for i have an interest in the lad and desire to put him in the way of making his fortune bah you needn't speak he added hastily i know what you would say you have hinted at it once already have i no feeling for you because i am blind no i have not why do you expect me being in darkness to be better than men who have their sight why should you is the hand of heaven more manifest in my having no eyes than in your having two it's the cant of you folks to be horrified if a blind man robs or lies or steals oh yes it's far worse in him who can barely live on the few halfpence that are thrown to him in streets than in you who can see and work and are not dependent on the mercies of the world a curse on you you who have five senses may be wicked at your pleasure we who have four and want the most important are to live and be moral on our affliction the true charity and justice of rich to poor all the world over he paused a moment when he had said these words and caught the sound of money jingling in her hand well he cried quickly resuming his former matter that should lead to something the point widow first answer me one question she replied you say he is close at hand has he left london being close at hand widow it would seem he has returned the blind man i mean for good you know that yes for good 
the truth is widow that his making a longer stay there might have had disagreeable consequences he has come away for that reason listen said the widow telling some money out upon a bench beside them count six said the blind man listening attentively any more they are the savings she answered of five years six guineas he put out his hand for one of the coins felt it carefully put it between his teeth wrung it on the bench and nodded to her to proceed these have been scraped together and laid by lest sickness or death should separate my son and me they have been purchased at the price of much hunger hard labour and want of rest if you can take them do on condition that you leave this place upon the instant and enter no more into that room where he sits now expecting your return six guineas said the blind man shaking his head though of the fullest weight that were ever coined fall very short of the twenty pounds widow for such a sum as you know i must write to a distant part of the country to do that and receive an answer i must have time two days said stagg more four days a week return on this day week at the same hour but not to the house wait at the corner of the lane of course said the blind man with a crafty look i shall find you there where else can i take refuge is it not enough that you have made a beggar of me and that i have sacrificed my whole store so hardly earned to preserve this home hm said the blind man after some consideration set me with my face towards the point you speak of and in the middle of the road is this the spot it is on this day week at sunset and think of him within doors for the present good-night she made him no answer nor did he stop for any he went slowly away turning his head from time to time and stopping to listen as if he were curious to know whether he was watched by any one the shadows of night were closing fast around and he was soon lost in the gloom it was not however until she had traversed the lane from end to end and made sure that he was gone that she re-entered the cottage and hurriedly barred the door and window mother said barnaby what is the matter where is the blind man he is gone gone he cried starting up i must have more talk with him which way did he take i don't know she answered folding her arms about him you must not go out to-night there are ghosts and dreams abroad ay said barnaby in a frightened whisper it is not safe to stir we must leave this place to-morrow this place this cottage and the little garden mother yes to-morrow morning at sunrise we must travel to london lose ourselves in that wide place there would be some trace of us in any other town and travel on again and find some new abode little persuasion was required to reconcile barnaby to anything that promised change in another minute he was wild with delight in another full of grief at the prospect of parting with his friends the dogs in another wild again then he was fearful of what she had said to prevent his wandering abroad that night and full of terrors and strange questions his light-heartedness in the end surmounted all his other feelings and lying down in his clothes to the end that he might be ready on the morrow he soon fell fast asleep before the poor turf-fire his mother did not close her eyes but sat beside him watching every breath of wind sounded in her ears like that dreaded footstep at the door 
or like that hand upon the latch, and made the calm summer night a night of horror. At length the welcome day appeared. When she had made the little preparations which were needful for their journey, and had prayed upon her knees with many tears, she roused Barnaby, who jumped up gaily at her summons. His clothes were few enough, and to carry grip was a labour of love. As the sun shed his earliest beams upon the earth, they closed the door of their deserted home and turned away. The sky was blue and bright. The air was fresh and filled with a thousand perfumes. Barnaby looked upward and laughed with all his heart. But it was a day he usually devoted to a long ramble, and one of the dogs, the ugliest of them all, came bounding up and jumping round him in the fullness of his joy. He had to bid him go back in a surly tone, and his heart smote him while he did so. The dog retreated, turned with a half-incredulous, half-imploring look, came a little back, and stopped. It was the last appeal of an old companion and a faithful friend, cast off. Barnaby could bear no more, and as he shook his head and waved his playmate home, he burst into tears. "'Oh, mother, mother, how mournful he will be when he scratches at the door and finds it always shut!' There was such a sense of home in the thought, that though her own eyes overflowed, she would not have obliterated the reconciliation either from her own mind or from his, for the wealth of the whole wide world. End of chapter 46